Good morning. I'm Joanna Roach, and you're listening to The Nature of Nantucket, brought to you by the Mariah Mitchell Association. I am here today with Jed Williams, who is a teacher at Nantucket High School. He teaches computer science, and he um, has done a bunch of different things, including winning the Presidential Award for Excellence in Mathematics and Science and teaching the highest award known uh, for teaching in the United States. And he is a National Science Foundation graduate teaching fellow in STEM. And he's worked on a lot of really cool uh, projects. And I'm excited to talk with Dr. Williams today. So, uh, Jed, tell us a little bit about your Nantucket story. Sure. Hi. Um, well, I'm I'm from Nantucket. I grew up here. Um, went to Wee Whalers, and then <laughs> NES, and then CPS, and then NHS. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think uh, a 13th generation Nantucketer. Uh, so my children, my three children, are 14th generation. We're getting up there. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I've lived here, I think most of my life. Um, I, I left for college and then I came back and taught, um, physics and astronomy. And then I left again for graduate school. Um, yeah, where I studied um, basically robotics and, uh, lived in upstate New York and then, uh, came back and now I'm teaching again, uh, math and computer science. Wow. So, um, so growing up, you certainly had uh, the occasion to interact with the Mariah Mitchell Association. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, a very big fan of Mariah Mitchell, um, who, by the way, is a distant cousin. Um, yeah. <laughs> one, of my, one of my uh, earliest memories, for sure, is watching uh, a snake eat a mouse at Mariah Mitchell. <laughs> I definitely remember going there and, and, and watching that happen. <laughs> All right. And, wow. and I also, yeah, I mean, I should mention too, I, I did work at, uh, at Mariah Mitchell as an astronomer back in 2009, 2008, 2009. Um, yeah, with the, they had this, you know, their wonderful REU program, Research Experience for Undergraduates, and I was um, a young teacher at the time and got to be a um, RET, a research experience for teachers, um, and did observations of transiting exoplanets, um, which was just an amazing time. Wow, that sounds amazing. So like, tell us a little bit about how you got interested in math and physics and astronomy and some of the things that you're doing and robotics. Like, how did that, how did that interest start for you? Oh, my teachers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Bob Hall and Val Hall. Um, <laughs> uh, to, I, might, you know, I might know them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I just had uh, amazing teachers and I was interested in this stuff. And they really, um, like, supported that interest and um, came up with, they had these amazing classes that I, I, I wanted to take. And back when I was in high school, uh, we were on the long block system at the time. So it was essentially semesters. You would take, like, I think it was four classes in the fall, then four classes in the spring. And uh, that meant I could um, take a science class 
in the fall and then another science class in the spring. So I just took science class after science class while I was in high school. Um, so I, I think I took 10 years of science when I was in high school. And at one point, I had taken all, all of uh, Bob Hall's electronics courses. So he invented another one. Um, and just I was the one student in electronics three. Uh, yeah, so I think my teachers in, in school here on Nansake got me really interested in science in particular, um, but more specifically like math-based uh, sciences like physics and intro to physics. Um, yeah, and I loved it. And I, and I mean, I always wanted to be a teacher, I think. I, I remember in high school thinking like, this is the coolest job ever. Like these people get to talk about this thing that they're passionate about all the time. Uh, and I definitely have a memory of thinking like, oh, that would be cool to get to talk about math and science like every day. Wow. So t- tell us a little bit about what is robotics? Like give us like the overall description. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. So robotics is a super broad field. Yeah. Um uh, I mean, it really has to do with anything studying robots. <laughs> and so what's a robot? Like a robot, depending on who you ask, could be something really simple. Um, I think when, at least it used to be this way, when people think about robots, they kind of picture like a Terminator or a <laughs> something super advanced, something with two legs, kind of humanoid. But the vast majority of robots are like industrial robots, these things that are like putting cars together or things like that. Um, You know, a lot of robots are just, you know, vacuum cleaners that roam around your living room when you're not there or something. Um, But I mean, a robot really is some sort of uh, machine. And that could be like a mechanical thing, you know, uh, like a, you know, uh, a self-driving vacuum cleaner. But you could also use the term robot to describe some software. Uh, yeah, depending on how broad your definition of robot is. I guess it's like an independent uh, sort of not necessarily autonomous, but like kind of doing some activity without necessarily human intervention. Um, yeah, but your microwave could be a robot, depending, again, on who you ask. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so where is this field of robotics, where is it at now and where is it going, Jeff? Oh, man. Yeah, these are, that's a tough question. Robotics. Uh, I mean, there are lots of people working in robotics that um, work with those sort of industrial robots that I, I was mentioning. So, like, lots of people do robotics that, um, you know, there's some mechanical arm and they're doing maybe mechanical engineering or um some sort of software engineering to make the robot more efficient or work better or last longer or something like that. What's the sort of cutting edge of robotics? Um, So, I mean, I've been able to participate in a a few robotics challenges, and I think those are a good example of where, like, the the research world of robotics is headed. Um, For example... Uh, the DARPA Robotics Challenge um, a few years ago I participated in, and um, that had to do with getting robots to go into environments that weren't necessarily safe for humans to accomplish something. The example given at the time was like 
um, the Fukushima nuclear disaster in Japan, because that this was um, right after the er earthquake and tsunami had hit. And there were portions of um, the facility that they needed to send somebody into to, I don't know, like pull a lever or turn something off, um, you know, to, to help mitigate whatever um, continuous disaster could have happened. Um, but sending a human into the, that environment is really dangerous. And right. my understanding is that there are sev several engineers that uh, died afterwards. So wouldn't it be great if you could send instead a robot, maybe one that could work autonomously, that is like by itself without any human intervention, or maybe semi autonomously, like it does a lot of stuff by itself, but every now and every now and then it checks in with a human. Um, so that's that's one goal of robotics is to get machines to be able to do things that are uh, dangerous for humans to do. Uh, one of the one of the big challenge there challenges there is <laughs> it's just a very hard problem. It's really hard to get machines to interact with environments um, where they don't know the environment ahead of time. Like they walk into a room where you know it's not pre-designed specifically for that um, robot ahead of time. Um, yeah, that's, it's just a really hard problem. That's why we don't have robo butlers yet. Um, you know, we were supposed to have them like half a century ago. Um, but, um, I, I mean, another area that you might call robotics research is self-driving cars. Um, there's, you know, several companies, more and more companies are trying to develop, um, programs for self-driving cars. Um, and, this is another thing where you can ask people who work in that field and some will tell you, um, you know, we're almost there, but lots of others will tell you we will never get there. Um, there's some measure of how far we'll get, but we'll never necessarily achieve fully self-driving cars. Um, those are sort of the exciting ones that you see in the, in the media, right? right. Self-driving cars and things like that. Well, I, you know, when you talk about that, it reminds me of the Jetsons, right? Because yeah. that, like the cartoon that we grew up with. Yeah. Like I imagine like Astro the dog or the, the car, the, the, the spaceships that became basically cars. Like I think about that. And then I think the question that I have is, you know, how realistic is that? And, and what's, kind of a timeline is that achievable by <laughs> right. <laughs> and are you yeah. going to be the one who invents it there's the question <laughs> oh sure yeah um i'm not particularly interested in self-driving cars i'm i'm um uh an ai skeptic like there have been huge um accomplishments um in in ai and things related to robotics um but I tend to be really skeptical. And I think part of that is having worked in robotics uh, and studied robotics, seeing just how difficult the problems are. And um, it's, it's in my perspective, it's the reason why some companies focused on are focused on software um, as opposed to hardware. So, you know, like one of the uh, large language models are in the news these days like chat GPT, um, and there are various other, um, uh, 
uh, open source and closed source um, language models that you can you can talk with. And one of the nice things about working in software is that there's nothing mechanical involved. Like to get to get a um, robot to go into your kitchen and open the refrigerator and take some orange juice out and then pour you a glass of orange juice. I've seen demos of things that can nearly do that, but if you then go put it in a different house, it wouldn't be able to do that. It's, it turns out to be just a very, very complex problem to get robots to do those things. And in software, you don't have to deal with the real world, right? Um, the robot isn't going to drop anything. That said, you can still run into lots of issues in these um, large language models also have lots of issues with them. Yeah, I mean that I mean that's going to lead into questions about ethics cuz like definitely. I, I mean I, I think that, you know, most of the world is just starting to become aware of mm. AI and what it is and what it's capable it, it capable of and I think you're right their entry point into this are you know things like chat GPT cuz it's getting so much press. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I know that there are other sorts of AI web boolers, AI art, which is super interesting. Right. Right. You can create any kind of image that you're even thinking of through these AI art apps, which is uh, fascinating. Right. Yes. And you can conduct all kinds of research. I think that, that there and there's some danger there because <laughs> you don't know the validity of the research. Yes, that's a huge concern. But what do you think the, like, what are the most adaptable or easily accessed or valuable uh, AI applications for the regular person? Like, what is that? The most accessible ones. I mean, if you're, um, you know, if you're using like a chat assistant on your cell phone, right? Like if you ask Siri something, that's an AI, right? Or if you have... um Amazon Alexa, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yeah, that's that's AI, right? If it's a particularly impressive one or not, um, I don't know. But for sure, that's like a mainstream. Lots of people have access to that. They're also, for sure, I mean, I think at this point, anyone with, uh, I think you need a cell phone number to register. But anyone with internet access and a cell phone number can sign up for chat GPT and start interacting with these things. There are whole like Reddit forums and everything for people who like to play with the um, like AI generated art um, and share ideas and prompts. Um, So yeah, there's a lot you can, there's a lot you can do. Um, Even if you want to do something more, I don't know, nerdy, like the type of stuff that I like to do, which is like there's a data set you want to play with and you want to run a neural network. Like um, 10 years ago when I was a, a graduate student, if you wanted to do something very fancy like that, you were writing all of your own software. Like you could look up the academic papers and um, try to write your own code to do the thing that you found in the paper. Um, but now, even without much coding knowledge you can like dump some data into a neural network and have it spit some information out like the the um bar for level of entry into ai is has just plummeted in the last decade 
So yeah, lots of people can get involved with AI, even if it's as simple as just like giving prompts to a to a chat bot. Right. Right. I'm not sure to your point that people really recognize that talking to Siri is, yeah. is AI, but of course it is, right? I mean, that makes all the sense. Oh, right. Yeah. You're, you know, if you have a Roomba, that's AI. If you right. talk to Alexa, that's AI. Right. Um, so, so tell me, because you raised the issue of Alexa, you, you know, and I think that this is one of the dangers of AI. Alexa's, you know, always listening to you. Well, yeah. Is it, is it always listening in the sense like it's recording everything you do? I don't think so, but um, it's possible. And I, I mean, I've seen news stories of um, people who accidentally left like a, a phone message or something um, or like their, their toddler accidentally initiated some sequence of voice commands and it um, started recording or something like that. Um, I mean, well, pri privacy is, is, a, a is one of the biggest questions. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, one of the, one of the um, big events in uh, AI, and that's a, such a broad term, um is the success of particular models like neural networks whatever whatever that means um but they require a lot of data and where does that data come from and then we immediately run into issues of like um people who have uploaded photos to social media sites and you know maybe 20 years ago when people were first getting on social media and posting photos of themselves, of their families, of their kids. At the time, I don't think they knew that 20 years later, those companies that they were uploading their you know, personal images to would be using those images to train giant AI models. Um, for many people, I think it doesn't matter. Like they still would have done it. They don't care in a way. Um, so part of it, though, is you don't know. You don't know what people are doing with your data. And we are all being, <laughs> this sounds dramatic, we're all being experimented on um, in the sense that especially social media companies are doing lots of data analysis and your data is in there and tuning their models, which means that, you know, they're, their websites or apps behave in different ways based on those models, based on your data. And it changes your interactions and then they record and they see how they can affect you. Right. Um, right. I mean, I think the best example of that is whether or not you're, you know, talking about a product and Alexa's listening or whether or not you visit a website, then you mm -hmm. go on your social media channels and other companies have ads for similar things. Right. <clears throat> right. Um, and I it's think spooky. that, Yes, it's, it's spooky. spooky. Yeah, but I think you know so what you're describing are also really interesting uh, careers for future math lovers, right? Right. <laughs> and I think that uh, folks who will be coming to your uh, podcast, which is is it next week? It's in two weeks. Two weeks on April 26th at 7 p.m. You can hear Dr. Jed Williams talk a little bit more on these topics and some others. So we encourage you to sign up and register 
And Jed, it's been great to chat with you about all of this. I mean, I feel like we could talk for another 20 minutes or so. Oh my gosh, we're just getting started. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why everyone has to come listen to your, to your webinar. So thanks for joining us today. And if you've been listening, I'm Joanna Roach with the Mariah Mitchell Association. And our podcast is called The Nature of Nantucket. Thank you.